All right, well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here, or Sil O'Brien. Hello. Check us out on Glue Guys. On Glue Guys, check us out on iTunes. Search Glue Guys, or you can just search Glue. I think we've been rated 21 times. <laughs> Four and a half star rating. Better than The Revenant. <laughs> do you have any interest in The Revenant, Brian? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I I do. Um, I don't know. Do I've, you? I've seen it. Should I have interest in The Revenant? I just, I feel you like were I... were a film major in college. Why are you going to put me on blast like that? Smells no, so cool. I think you would appreciate it. More than what is that supposed to mean? Because it's because very I'm... film major. Oh, uh, like everything is technically uh, great, but I don't know. Like like the mise en scene is is great. Sounds Sorry, like a delicious dish. Smelts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Uh, Brian, big yep. pod today. This is we have to bring it, bring the heat. Yeah. Woo! Get, give me some more of that Narragansett. I gotta, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get jacked up here. Um, major seismic change in the organization happened over the weekend. Brian Lionel Holland's fired. Billy King reassigned. Fired? Very odd. Fired? I don't know. What does that mean? With the Billy King you reassignment? Want, you want to touch on on. He's. <laughs> so what is he doing? So the question. So Prokhorov. So we're recording this on Monday night. Prokhorov had. By the way, is it Michael now? Are we calling him Michael Prokhorov? Who who is calling him that? I listened to Brett Yormark's interview on the fan. Oh, don't tell min- me. Don't tell me he's trying to... 20-minute interview. He's okay. trying to whitewash this with, with Americana, because I'm not going to stand for that. On Joe and Evan, great. Learned a lot. Yeah. Called him Michael the whole time. Michael. Is that where we're at? We're calling him Michael? I think it's actually, like, if I'm going to be a little cynical, I think it's part of... We have absentee Russian owner Mikhail involved hands-on owner Michael. So when he's when he's at the arena, he's Michael. He's Michael. When he's involved. When he's at Putting Russia, his finger in different pots. Correct. Um, yeah. I mean, no, I get it's sad. It's sad that that's the state of affairs, but it really is. You know, there's a lot of... Hey, you're a xenophobe, too, so, you know, they're playing to you, really. Classic xenophobe right here. Uh, <laughs> so, big change. Yeah. Uh, first, you know, we, we will kind of go through... It's step by step how we feel about Hollins and King being removed from power. Yep. What we think the direction of the franchise will be, potential head coaching candidates. We'll hit it from all sides. We have questions and emails. Uh, yeah, the the email sphere was rocking. Uh, netspod at gmail.com if you want to join in on the fun. You can also tweet us at BK Glue Guys. Uh, first, just generally, how do you feel? You happy? Satisfied? Um, Angry? Upset? You know, I have. The whole, you know, the whole range. Um, I'm feeling it from every angle. <clears throat> angle. Uh, my initial reaction was surprise. Well, I was happy. Okay, so we have a podcast. You, you know that. Yeah. Um. So very pleased from a podcaster's perspective for having <laughs> a little bit of news to toss around. It, that helps. Um. You know as well as I do. We've been hungering for some fuel. Um. Then when I when I started to think about it a little bit and I started to read some of the reports coming out, frankly, I got a little scared. I got a little why, scared. Why did you get scared? I got scared that this was um, done, you know, under duress with uh, mostly, mostly. The, I mean, we, okay, so we had talked about the fact that Billy King and Lionel Hollins needed to be fired mostly for PR reasons, but. I didn't expect that to be exactly the, the pretense for their being fired. It seems like they did it only for, you know, the... And Prokhorov said, um, I forget who asked him the question, 
why why now and it was the fans deserved you know when it's obvious that the direction needs to change the fans deserve that to happen now as opposed to waiting it out which i don't disagree with but it's also certainly um i think you're right i mean it's this was done just because things weren't going to get better and it makes it easier to sort of sell the product as like the hope factor is higher now that Billy King and Lionel Hollins are out. Yeah. It makes it more interesting to be a Nets fan now that Billy King and Lionel Hollins are gone. Yeah. Uh, it's good, though. It is a good thing. I don't want to hear the negative. Like, some people are like, oh, this is such an S show. The the Nets, they this is their fifth coach in four years or whatever. Yeah. This is a good thing. Hollins wasn't right for this team. I mean, you disliked Hollins more than anyone. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing if if it's true. Okay, so um, I think a, a more pragmatic and less fun approach to it is waiting until the off season and letting somebody start. Like doing it right in the middle of the season, there's no real advantage there. The one advantage is that you start the process early of talking to people. And you can't sure. talk to people. So, like, what the Kings did with um, Ty Corbin or whatever it was, they, they, you know, they were talking to people when they shouldn't have been talking to people, mm-hmm. when people weren't fired yet. Now the, now the Nets can do whatever they want. They can have as much fun with doing interviews and bringing in people and, you yeah. know, picking their brain and figuring out what they want to do with the franchise. Well, I would say this. I guess maybe what my – the source of my fear is – okay, so I'm happy that Lionel Hollins is gone, of course. I thought he was a – Net zero, maybe even a negative influence just in general. Uh, didn't like him. Billy King, you know, lots of complicated thoughts about that. Find it very interesting that he was reassigned and is partly in charge of uh, choosing his successor, which have you ever heard of anything like that? It's very strange. <laughs> I wish I had the, like, the personal magnetism that Billy King has because it, it, it just must be that when he is around you that you feel good great and even as incompetent as he was as a gm porkroff could not even bring himself to bash him in this press conference or to like you know actually fire him you know it just didn't <laughs> just couldn't couldn't do it he's um, still an employee of the nets he was yeah in the press conference he was like yeah i'm gonna listen to his ideas like it's a very strange relationship so okay so my the source of my fear to tie this all up in a bow is that i'm for the first time doubting Mikhail Prokhorov's ability to uh, make wise decisions about management. <clears throat> Whereas I thought, like, you know, he left a lot of these decisions up to Billy King, some of them up to Dmitry Razumov. Very, very much, uh, you know, a topic that was not touched on was this Dmitry Razumov stuff. Some of the reporters tried to get, probe him a little bit. You could tell, not interested. It's so frustrating. Why? What is he? What is the because they are hiding something? Yeah. Okay. By not being specific, one specific question was who is going to be involved in this process, mm-hmm. and all Procroft was said is like there's going to be a group of people. Right. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk. Yeah. Why did you say these are the three people I'm going to lean on? Uh, yeah. I mean, and the news is out about Razumov. Everyone knows that this is a person whose opinion is taken very seriously, and the and that's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know why that would be like a yeah, why why, thing to why run the, from? Why the, yeah, why the, all the deceit? Um, but so again, not interested in, in touching on that subject at any length. Um, so so we're left to surmise that this was done hastily, with not a very solid plan in place, uh, which is you know disconcerting for a lot of reasons. Obviously, you know I 
I don't think we could do much worse than Lionel Hollins, but you want to put that person in the best position possible. And it seems like the just interior management leadership is is really they don't know who to answer to, who's they don't know whose uh, ego to stroke. They're and that Brett Yormark, uh, while not by name to reporters, seems to be sort of running around to the prominent NBA writers and saying. We're going to go after Calipari yeah. because he's, he's both Winhorst and Wojnarowski. I can never say that yeah, correctly, and I really apologize. Yeah. I, know he listens, I know he listens to this. Um, that that we they are going after Calipari when it seems when he was brought up in the press conference that uh, Pokrov really didn't say all that much about it. Your mark has has was said on the Joe and Evan uh, the podcast that I listened to, but it was an interview on the air. That he's really great friends, that that we talk all the time about family and things like that, but we don't talk mm-hmm. about the job. But it is so obvious that Yermark is is going to make a huge push for Coach Cal. Yeah. And we'll get to sort of what we want to see and who we want to be there. But, um, okay, I, I, I understand that, like, so I was worried about the Pro Girls press conference. Just initially because it seemed like they had no plan, like you said, right? Yeah. But it's also, I also understand it would be really hard for them to have a plan. Sure. Like, it would be weird <laughs> if they, if, if he came out and laid out a 25 point plan to becoming a successful basketball team a day after he fired the coach and GM, especially because he is an owner who's in Mas- Moscow most of the time. Yeah. Um, so like, it's, it, to me, it's just, it was, it's unreasonable for a lot of people to really expect them to come out and be like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to fire right away. We're going to get this player, this player, and this player's free agents. We're going to trade Brook and Thad for something. Yeah. Um, I guess, okay, so I guess the, the finer point that I'm trying to make is that the people that were like, you know, the the, the Brett Yormark, uh, Brett Yormarks and the Dmitry Rosmovs <laughs> of the world, uh, these are the guys that still have, they're, they seem to be, in very little peril, uh, career-wise, and they have an enormous amount of influence. And in many ways, it appears to be that Billy King was a very convenient fall guy for a lot of the decision making that was going on. Which is why I believe that he was reassigned versus fired, because the PR spin is that Billy King is, you know, uniquely horrible at his job, whereas I think he was probably beholden to a lot of those other guys' instincts regarding these big trades or whatever yeah and and again uh most owners who if the team is this bad is in such a bad shape they would throw people under the bus yeah and say it's this person's fault or this situation's fault and and even program just would not go there with billy king i don't know so so where we are now is that this team is is uh 10 wins was it 10 and 10 and 27 not great um, the problem with doing, I am pro doing the, the firings now. Mm-hmm. I'm happy about it. Uh, I agree with Burkhoff when he says, when you make the decision that this, when it's not going to go in the right direction and you don't feel like it will ever go in the right direction, you make the move now. Mm-hmm. Because if this team is twisting in the wind and Billy King is still making moves, especially at the trade deadline, he would have, he would not have been empowered to make any trades if this yeah. is the situation. It's good he's gone. It's good Lionel Hollins is gone because he wasn't the right coach for this team. I don't know if there's anyone that would be great for this team. I'm not saying that this is a playoff team at all. But 
there were too many times this season when he was resigned to the fact that the lack of talent that this team had was the reason was the reason why they were losing games. Mm-hmm. Um, this is before Jared Jack's injury. Before and you know you can add Rondé Hollis Jefferson in there, but but really the Jared Jack injury is just much more significant for the wins and losses this season. Yeah. Um, there's just too many times that he was like I saw this you know with Flip Saunders in in D.C. when they basically tanked and got John Wall and this became like a rookie laden team. These veteran coaches just decide at a certain point like I'm not I'm not going to coach a rebuilding team. Yeah. Not going to happen. Lionel Hollins wasn't going to do that. No. Move him out. What, what? I mean, I'm with it. I get it. But, you know, so so my conflict is like I'm happy that Lionel Hollins is gone. I'm happy that Billy King is gone. But I still think that a lot of the problems persist. Definitely. That, that's, I guess, the issue. It's that the, the real insidious, you know, systemic problems are still there. And, and we didn't get – so I'm going to defend not having a 25-point plan in the press conference, but – when he's asked what lessons he learned, there no, really true. wasn't anything. Well, he said, like, leadership. I would, like, you know, have another layer of leadership. But what does that even... I, th- I think it means, a, a you know, people that are NBA thinkers between, you know, the Billy King, Dmitry Razumov, and then the layer of Billy King. Somebody in between them. Somebody for those guys to answer to, which, I don't know, is that... feels like a very... Uh, so all, that means a Phil Jackson Titans. I mean, I don't know if, you know, like, no. uh, or, you know, a Colangelo type. Like, so what this team is then looking at, if that's the case, is that they're not looking at two positions to be filled, which would be GM and coach. They're actually looking at a president of basketball, everything. I think it's something that they're probably considering. Then, then a second guy below that who's more just strictly personnel based and then a coach. Um, you know, and I'm and I'm totally fine with that. I just I fear that um, what we're going to get is well, I fear most is a Calipari move. I fear that so greatly. You don't like Cal, huh? Okay, the numbers that we're getting. So obviously, if you follow the Nets, you've been hearing this, but the number that seems to be floated out there is the ten-year, hundred twenty million dollar contract that Coach Cal is required. Right. Uh, in the Wojnarowski article, it quotes that. He was flirting with the Kings, and that was the number that was being put out there by his people. Mm-hmm. Windhorst said the same thing in his ESPN.com, the article. The article. Um, and the biggest issue with that is money is great. Money shouldn't be – if you want a winning basketball team, money cannot be the main motivating factor. It cannot be. Uh, there's a quote in the in the uh, Adrian Woj article. You got your headphones there, buddy? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, okay. That's really telling about sort of where Calipari's head's at. He says, this is one minority owner with the Kings who talks to Adrian. He says, after multiple calls with Calipari, told confidence, he kept saying it wasn't about the money, but he kept talking about the money. The, the, it seems like the only thing that's going to drag him there, he could get the power that he wants in the NBA. He could get the, the player personnel title. He could get sort of everything that he wants. But what he wants is money. He wants an overwhelming number. And this team, with its history, cannot be the team that just gives him everything he wants. Because that's he's not going to be a successful coach and a successful GM if the only thing that's going to bring him to Brooklyn is that this is the only team that pays him the money that he wants. Sure. No, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm also just... Uh, 
I remember Coach Cal from from his first uh, tenure with the Nets, and uh, I just have a vivid memory of of him. Um, he, he would do stuff like he wouldn't run an offensive set, and then he'd be like to Keith Van Horn, and be like, "Just take him off the dribble, Keith." Just like, just like yell, just like scream in Keith Van Horn's face because everyone thought that Keith Van Horn was going to be. You know that's still that's still how he coaches. You know, everyone yeah. says he coaches his pro style system. Yeah. His system is still like just take him off the. I mean, it's yeah. not. You know, there's I'm I'm sure there's more refinement in that. And yeah, but he, not so much more. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, that's basically what he does. If ever you're telling someone to just take someone else off the dribble, you're not doing your job pro- as a coach. You're not doing it properly. There are two types of college coaches: mm-hmm. great recruiters and great like X's and O's guys, right? And there's you can vacillate on that sort of spectrum, but and that but that's the basic it. Mm-hmm. Too many times the mistake of these guy of of hiring college coaches and taking them into the pros is you hire the guy who's a good recruiter when that has pretty much zero to do with anything that relates to the NBA. Yeah, there, there's so he we're being sold that if Calipari is a coach that he brings on Demarcus Cousins is a free agent in 2018, John Wall in 2019, that when those guys are free agents they're going to they're going to come to Coach Cal because they love him yeah. and blah blah blah. That doesn't ha- that doesn't happen. It's never happened. It just there's no there's no precedent for like this coach coming in and the coach being the driving factor for recruiting players. Yeah. Players recruit players. So yeah, if you get one guy, maybe that one guy pulls in other guys. Dwayne Wade pulled in LeBron and Bosh. Pat Riley did in a way, but not really. I mean, Pat Riley was extremely involved, but he wasn't even coaching the team. Um, people are in New York right now, not because of, you know, Robin Lopez didn't go to the Knicks, not that like he'd be a big catch, but because of Phil Jackson, he came because they paid him the most money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just really worried it's going to be coach. Like, I don't think it will be coach Cal. Everything broke <laughs> says it will not be, but I'm worried that if they give the 10 year, $120 million contract that two years into that deal, the team's going to stink still. Yeah. And that's that's going to be one of the biggest disasters in basketball history. Well, here's my sense of it: it's that he's being pushed for very hard by one guy, and it's being it's almost too transparent to to really take seriously. He's the guy in charge of marketing, so it makes sense why everyone would have heard about it. Um, but and it's one guy who's not involved with basketball. Yeah. So I don't think, and I think. That ownership is not that interested in Calipari. That's my sense. So I don't think it's actually going to happen. But uh, we'll hear a whole lot more about it for for a little bit more. Um, but should we should we just go right into D Sloan? <laughs> just kidding. We're going to touch on D Sloan and his massive dunk. If I did you see that dunk? Yeah, and and the fact that he's looking better than Larkin right now. Can you believe that, that the, true? the most athletic play of the last <laughs> two years is attributed to D- Donald, 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 the Duck Donald Sloan. D. Sloan. Um, he's better than Larkin, right? At this moment, at this very moment, he's playing with more mojo than Larkin. <laughs> Dropping five, straight fire bombs all over this. Should he have been starting the entire year? Should have been starting the entire year. <laughs> Just, that I mean, that dunk was it was. Uh, I, I forgot what it looked like to see like Nets players do anything even remotely. I, you know, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, maybe a guy, you know, going into the season. Oh, he would have, he would have made a nice dunk at some point. Great. Could have told me it was going to be Donald's flowing. That's going to make the, have the, the highlight of the season. Um, 
So the crappy thing about firing the coach now and moving the GM out is that this season is over, right? Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Do you, I mean, it's not like they were going to suddenly turn around and then go twenty-seven and ten for the rest. No, of the no. I mean, like, but I think, I think it's even possible. I mean, there's, it's hard to do worse than what we were doing. Sure. Um, it's possible that we'll stay the same or do better. Just, I'm worried just because Jared Jack like, being not there, it's like the the offense has been abysmal. I can't tell you how little I think of Lionel Hollins. Let me just say that. I I, and this is exactly the time where a guy needs to be on his game to eke out a couple wins. He was checked out in every in every capacity. Exactly, checked out. Yeah. And you fire a coach who's checked out. Yeah. That never should happen. No, he's making too much money to be checked out, to be talking about how I don't watch tape and I don't... Publicly, he's almost like... He's like, go ahead. Yeah. That's it. See what's going to happen. Ahead. I've got my contract <laughs> yeah. set. I'm fine. I'll go to Sirius XM Radio. Yeah. I'll be good to go. It's like, I'm not watching tape. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, and it's not like he was the Doc Rivers in Boston situation where they had been good, and then he said he was going to be there for a rebuild, and he was like, you know what? Yeah. I don't really want to be here. He he had not been good for the Nets, and just said he he had basically parked himself in the territory that there's nothing I can do. All right, Mike. Who would be good for the Nets? Go ahead. I'm putting you on the spot. The situation I most want to see, especially with this team, coaching matters more than uh, personnel people in the NBA. But with this team, because the personnel situation is so bad, I want them to go GM basketball personnel first and then coach. Mm-hmm. Let, so let's let, let's let that guy hire the coach. Let's get the upper crust going. Uh huh. Heat it up a little bit. Yeah. Put in the pizza oven. Yeah. Get that nice and crispy. And then we're going to throw on the sliced, the, the, the we're going to throw on the pepperoni, the anchovies, the, the anchovies, Olives, pineapple, oh. arugula. Who would be the arugula coach? <laughs> um, Lawrence Frank. I was gonna say why am I gonna say, say Lawrence, Lawrence Frank? Frank would be arugula. I, I don't know. I uh, like arugula too. It's not spicy like pepperoni arugula. would be Thibodeau. Really, <clears throat> I don't think Thibodeau is gonna happen, and I don't think no. Mark Jackson's gonna happen. I think those are two guys. That well, are, uh, Mark we'll Jackson touch on this because ha- we got some. Mark okay. Jackson would happen if the Nets wanted if, it to if happen. If Billy King is still in charge of, of he's going to hire a, a Mark Jackson or a Tom Thibodeau. That's true. I want I want like a Donnie Walsh type to be All right, well, give me, give running me your, the team. That might my, my, my dream scenario. Give me your upper crust, dear. Upper crust is a Donnie Walsh type. I can't tell you who that would be. I don't know who that'd be because I don't know. Like Colangelo would have actually been a guy I would have really enjoyed so you, to run you, the team. You must have heard about Isola talking about the R.C. Buford rumor. Yes, but why don't you explain it? Because oh, well, Isola Frank Isola was on AM radio talking about how he heard that it's very <laughs> why AM radio. What AM radio? I don't know. I just turned. I just turned the dial. You were just you used to listen to the AM dial. Oh come on! Oh, I love it. I stay on that. You know me and my creepy dungeon. It's yeah, yeah. I love it. Um. But of course, I was at work. So, anyways, uh, point is, he was talking about the the possibility that R.C. Buford, um, the Spurs GM, uh, legendary Spurs GM, architect, really, um, how he could be lured to the Nets, and that there was some actual truth behind that rumor. Any coincidence that they're playing the Spurs tonight, Smiles? Or tomorrow? What are they playing the Spurs tonight? Tonight, seven thirty. I'll turn the dial. Um, so that would be the best possible move, right? 
that would that would give. Can we agree that that's outside of the Danny Ferry r- rumor that this seems very improbable? So do they keep Billy King on because of his connection to Danny Ferry? And then you I know, think it's too much. I think if you're gonna have to, if you're keeping Billy King on, you can't hire another one of his bro dogs. Wouldn't that be weird? I mean, yeah. Danny Ferry was essentially replaced by a friend of his in Atlanta, but then would he come into Brooklyn and take over for Billy King in a situation that is probably not that great for him? Um, my best situation is would be a Danny Ferry type, RC Buford would be great. It's I don't think, but I, why would he leave San Antonio after he just gotten um, Lamarcus Aldridge? He has Kawhi Leonard there. He is set up again for another like GM run of him just sitting back and having tremendous players who seem who are locked in and with the team and there. Does a hundred and twenty dollars? Sorry, hundred twenty million dollars, <laughs> hundred twenty bucks that I bucks. can offer you tonight, RC. <laughs> Do you have that? Hundred twenty million dollars that I don't have um, could potentially lure just about any human, um, right? I don't, I don't know what he's getting paid by San Antonio. I tried to look it up and I couldn't find it, which is strange of Google to not let me see that, um, or maybe I just sucked at Google at the moment, um, but. Yeah, I feel like if anything's going to talk, it's 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 Prokhorov's pockets. Smells smelty. Um, so I want strong GM, solid coach. Wait, so I, touch on that. You don't think that's possible? I think it'd be extremely unlikely. And mo- money again, I really fear money being like the ultimate motivating factor for anyone's well, move. If you pay for the right person. I mean, you can't say that R.C. Buford, no matter what you pay him, is but, not going to be. But that person would be taking the job for reasons that aren't. Um, about winning, not saying that, that he wouldn't be motivated to win in the same way Coach Cal would not be motivated to win, but by taking a job strictly because you want that money, you want that cashola, that doesn't set up for long-term success in sports. It never has. Guys taking the most money just doesn't equal into uh, winning. Sure, I think you have to. You can factor in the individual to a degree there, but okay, on, on principle. I, I, you know, I said that a lot about Phil Jackson last last two years. And it turns out I may have been a little bit wrong about that. Well, and so, and that's what's sort of like the the ray of sunshine about this Nets situation. So, what the Nets don't have compared to the Net or the Knicks, there's no mellow, and there's no chance of a Chris Stapps yep. to like reinvigorate everything, and that's huge. That's a huge difference. Um, I don't agree that this team is completely barren of hope. <laughs> like you know sure no, there's some in the hoop meter there's like this tiny little little like 10 percent shrivel it's a red line of scariness mm-hmm. but brooke and thad are potential all-stars this year people people made they a lot be. out of um Prokhorov said that we're one or two players away from contending which is 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 insane the, Unless you're talking about, you know, Steph on Steph Curry and you know LeBron James, right? Yeah. Well, maybe we hire Mark Jackson, lure Steph Curry to the East Coast, oh, Jesus, closer to Charlotte, oh, where God. he's from, and still he wouldn't do anything with him. No, no. he would get hurt. His ankles would blow up, and no, he'd Mark be Jackson awful. would just, you know, make him run stupid ISO plays. What do you want? What do you want to see? Want R.C. Buford? Sure. And I want. Uh, I don't. I really don't know about the coaching situation. I. I don't love a lot of the. Ca- I don't know anything about this Ator Messina that everyone's so in love with. What do you know about him? I mean, I don't know that. He's a guy. He's supposed to be good. He's a guy. He's was over in Europe. There's no way to legitimize anything that he yeah. did over there, just because you don't know. Like it's. 
<laughs> I mean, legitimize it. Like he, like there's there's no way to like uh like what he did his resume overseas for us as normal basketball fans. There's no way for us to have any real take on how good he is. Sure. What do we know? Sure. Like, and it's not. Would that be exciting for the fan base? Would people get super fired up Who about? Who out there is exciting though? That's I mean, is Kevin Ollie exciting? Is is Kenny Atkinson I, okay. exciting? So of the coaches that are like sort of named and being out there, not even in terms of excitement, but guys I would want. Thibodeau would be number one. Do you want Thibodeau? I want the yeah. Are you out of, of your course, mind? Of course, of course. He's by far the most qualified, best coach. He is exactly the same problems surrounding him as Lionel Hollins. I don't think a so. Curmudgeon, a guy he that plays a, favorites. He's a curmudgeon. He may play favorites, but every day he cares much more than Lionel Hollins seemed to care here. And that was Lionel Hollins' biggest failing. As as we said, he he, he doesn't in, like doesn't watch film. Seem to sort of just put up his hands and say, like, the team is, whatever they're doing, I really can't help it at this point. Well, Lionel seemed to care when he was playing with a competitive, when he was coaching a competitive Memphis team. Thibodeau seemed to care when he was coaching a competitive Chicago team. Do, does, does Thibodeau care to coach a non-competitive team? I don't know. I don't, well, I, yeah, and that would be something you'd have to take the temperature of when you talk to him in the interview. But I, I can't believe you want He's got to be number one. He's got to be number one of all the coaches out there. Out of Kevin Ollie's number two. That offense sucked so bad. It was scary. Kevin Ollie's number two. I can't believe you want Thibodeau. I'm blown away. I guess Mark Jackson's number three. What? Oh my god, your list is trash. But that's what the problem is. There's not like there's not a ton of guys. I mean, Thibodeau's a legit coach. I don't. Yeah, a lot of teams would be happy to have him at this yeah, point. Not for us. I mean, having come from a a, a guy a draconian. Just painful, grinding stalwart of a turd of Lionel Hollins sure. to go right no, back to No, I understand that. that. I understand that. It's not what you want to do. Right. You do not want to do that. But he's the best coach out there. Based on, I don't know. I Based really on years of success. And him taking a, a Bulls roster without Rose for so many years, that wasn't like ultras talented. I mean, they were there. Oh, there's a new head coach. Looking great. I mean, Paul Westfall. I mean, I got to give him some credit, <laughs> you right? Shout out to Paul. You know, good for him for just well, kind of saying, like, Paul. you know, I'm out of here. Oh, yeah, this is the start of the new era right here. Tip off yeah. time. Oh, 740 Barclays this is Center. about to get ugly. Um, what if this team goes on a run, Brian? Oh, boy. <laughs> Look at this. Donald Sloan starting. He's resting that away. Um, okay. So who do you want? What's your what's honestly, your top coaches? What are your great ideas, Brian? Honestly, I despite the fact that we can't know anything about him, I would prefer Messina over all of the guys that you mentioned. Maybe with the exception of Danny I mean, of Kevin Ollie. Um, yeah, I just Thibodeau and um, Mark Jackson really spook me. Mark Jackson in particular, I just just right. is does not seem like. A guy you want anywhere near this type of team right now. He's old basketball thinking. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say is that players love Mark Jackson, and this yeah. team could use a guy who can do that. Here's I'm, here's why. I mean, it's obvious why that he what he does is he preys on their. Okay, a lot of players are religious. He's very religious. He he makes the locker room this strangely religious place and it is that's how he gets people to like him i'm fine what, whatever motivating factors <laughs> he could use i'm jewish 
And I, and, you know, <laughs> like, but whatever motivating factors he can use to make this team better, if, and if the power of Jesus Christ can do that. No, it's the, the power, power of Christ man- you. It's the power of manipulation. It's um, the power, yeah, good, power good the, for him. The devil. Um, All right, the devil. So, yeah. So, very exciting. Uh, this team is headed in a good place. Do you have uh, comments and questions? Um, so we got a bunch of good, good emails and whatnot. Um, just start right from the top, you know, Mike Wims came in early at 902 in the morning. He was fired up, ready to go. Um, okay. So he's saying Zach Lowe said it was going to be a seller's market at the trade deadline. Do you think, um, is this the year when we trade Brooke Lopez for two first round picks? Hmm. Should we trying to get into the 2016, 2017 drafts or pull an ultimate Sixers and stockpile drafts in 2019 and beyond? If we are really going to be this bad for a while, why not get the unprotected picks in the distant future rather than protected picks in the near future? Um, so my first take is essentially the, the, that deal would have to be out there and legitimate. I don't know if that will be. Boston could use uh, a really good player. They could use a center. Brooke Lopez is a center. Would you do straight up our, their pick back. Their pick back. Nets pick back this year for Brooke Lopez. I mean, to me, that's oh a huge win, and I think every Nets fan would sign up for that right now because that means that they could tank immediately and compete for the top pick in the draft. Immediately, it wouldn't even. Yeah, at this point, would I mean, the Celtics tank? don't do that trade. No, they don't do that trade, right? Um, no, they don't. But what about Brooke and Wayne Ellington? I mean, Boston, now that we've fired our coach and GM, I mean, it's like, how <laughs> oh, excited. I know. You know, but the, and this is sort of, I wanted to say this, is that I feel like the shadow of this KG Pierce trade is complete. Oh, I mean, it's definitely over the franchise, but the idea that this this pick, that it could be the Ben Simmons pick, uh, if the Nets really stink, could be just given away to Boston because this team stinks. But you know what? That 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 is a PR thinking that is kind of like ruining what basketball may be this team just needs to think about what's the best for the nets they can't really worry about that their pick may end up being the first pick if what's best for the nets is for them to trade thad and brooke and stink this year but then they get future assets and that's the only thing that they can do then they have to do that and not worry that they're just going to give away the first overall pick in the draft because at this point you're basically just saving as tiny bit of face for the 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 you know, a, for no good reason. Fate is out of their hands. You know, that pick is gone. They're not going to get it back just because they end up winning five more games this year than they should have. Um, they they really need to consider what is best for them long term. What best for them long term may actually be trading Brooke and Thad. But I don't necessarily agree with that. So he's saying that do you get him, like, Lopez is worth two first-round picks. He'd be worth two if it's, like, top 14 protected. Because I don't think you'd yeah. get – you may be able to get one that is, like, top eight protected, and that would be it from some team. And I don't know what team would want – like, again, Brooke – we said this last year. Brooke is a tough player to just throw on to any team. He's a center. He's not, like, just a wing player you kind of put in any rotation. He's just – a kind of a really unique player. He doesn't really share the ball, so he's not going to slide into any offense and just kind of like flow into it. He's a guy who needs the ball. Um, type of team could be Charlotte because uh, Al Jefferson's done for a while. 
Brooke is sort of an Al Jefferson type. You just slide him in. But I don't know. If you got two first-round picks, I wouldn't do it. They would have to be unprotected and with a team that's probably going to stink. So he's also talking about stockpiling picks versus going for the 2016-2017 draft. I mean, here's my thing. It's like, I guess I guess what you got to do is play out this free agency. I think you have to at least wait to see what comes of this free agency. Yeah. It you, makes you, a lot of sense. You have to, like, whoever your coach and GM hires are have to be splashy enough to get something, some kind of buzz going for, for some new player to come in. Um, if if that doesn't happen, then you hit the panic mode and start trading off your Thads and your, your Brooke Lopez's and your... Our, Just those two. Rondé Hollis Jefferson's. Yeah, Rondé's not... He cannot and should not go anywhere. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I think that's smart. Well, Mike, you just got interrupted by <laughs> Zach Breton Granatour. Uh, thanks Thank for you. emailing. Zach's and also, one of our active Twitter people. Oh, so um, I appreciate it. Shout out to Zach. Thanks for writing. And also, thanks again, Mike Wims. Um, and sorry I didn't give you a John Cena or Stoke Cold intro. I feel bad about that. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, so he says, um, to start, love the show. Love you for loving the show, Zach. Um, obviously, this is a crazy time to be an S fan, but what's a move in the nearish future that you think would realistically happen, be it coach, GM, player, trade? Um, because as much as I would like to say, you know, uh, uh, KD would be our next coach player, I think it's a more realistic, uh, realistic situation that Walton would be a head coach. Um, talking about Luke Walton, obviously. Uh, yeah, actually, that's a coach I didn't even think it's about. It's not a bad idea. Um, he's going to be the, well, that's the thing. Luke Wallen's going to, seems to, he's going to be able to get whatever job he wants probably next year, right? Yeah. Um, but he is an interesting name that I didn't even think about. He would be somewhat exciting. So, okay, I guess the question is, um, what, what is the first domino to drop in this case? Um, are we going to make a, are, are we going to allow the, assistant gm to start making trades by the deadline i don't think so no. i mean basically what has to happen is we have to figure out this either gm or presidential position first that has to be the first thing that happens yeah yeah and and i could see you know they're saying they're starting the process now if they are thinking first of front office exec that guy could come in if he's available anytime um you know a coach mid-season that never seems to be the, all that great of a move but an executive, you want to bring them in as early as possible. We're not going to be active at the trade deadline. It would be so unusual if this team just decided to up and trade Brook and Thad. Unless if they got some godfather offer for one of those two, which wouldn't happen, that would be the only way that things happen. The first job that needs to fall, I believe, again, GM executive, right? Get that guy in here. Let that guy actually lead a basketball process because the people that are leading the search for this next coach, this next leader, aren't basketball people. Billy King is the only basketball person that's involved with this search. Mm. And Billy King shouldn't be involved with any it's process toxic. anymore. It's it is toxic. insane. Reminds Ryan. me of, of making a murder when the Minotaur police is leading the it. investigation. Did you watch all that? Despite their being recently deposed you know, for the lawsuit. Insane. Did you watch all that? Yeah, I did. It's all right, crazy. we'll, we'll talk I'm about it. I'm on like episode 10 or something, but like, yeah, mostly all of it. All right, we'll talk about that at the end. Okay. I have thoughts. I'm, do you have Steve lots of Steve did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no question in my mind. <laughs> really? Either he did it or he is the 
unluckiest son of a gun. Wait, you're the only guy in the world that saw that whole thing and then thought Steve Avery definitely did it. Well, one, I think they, they, the documentarians probably, I know for a fact because there's stuff out there that they didn't include everything that would be pertinent within the, the storyline uh-huh. that would be there. The only other pe- person that could have done it, okay, would have to have been someone who lives in Steve Avery's family. Only other way. It had to have been someone on the Avery property to do all of that bad stuff. Why? Why are you saying that? It would be very unusual. Okay, so let's say we're going to do this for two minutes. Okay? Because <laughs> sure. people may not all watch okay, Making yeah, Murder. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. It's really not that spoilery. Yeah. I mean, the guy goes to prison. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Way to spoil it. I mean, if they Everyone knows that now, right, though. Fine, go ahead. There's a petition to get him out of jail. Um, The president had to talk about it or something. Okay. <laughs> Um, we would have to extremely believe the competency. Uh oh! Oh no! <laughs> it's Dan. No, I'm Thank just you. I really didn't no. want to get it. Through. I really didn't. We can talk about it at the end. We can talk. About it. No, 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 no. That was all. That was good. It's Daniel Shaw Jr. just button right into your your uh your whole deal uh okay so he's got a long email and thank you daniel you know that i read all this uh i read them all um but i'm gonna parse your your email here and say so given our roster and circumstance what is our identity what coaches matches what coach matches that identity who would you target in trades what do you give in exchange so obviously we don't have an identity um so unless um disarray is is an identity staleness um offensive rebounding then yeah so not a positive identity um so he's saying that uh, underdog mentality is the identity of this team tom thibodeau fits our identity (gasps) i would stay away from former knicks even though patrick ewing and mark jackson could coach an underdog team and nate robinson and jeremy lynn fit that mentality um, Bobby Portis is a diamond in the rough. And yeah. Anyway, so um, he wants to build with Brooke and Thad until an irresistible trade develops. So, I mean, what is this? Okay. Think about a team that includes Brooke and Thad and then try to think about an identity that could include those two guys. I mean, those two are, again, a nice foundation. Like, they're legitimately a fine foundation, right? Like they're fine. They're the good second and third or third and fourth options on a very good, a very good team. Right. Bad first and second <laughs> options yeah. on, a, on a very bad team. <laughs> um. So and they're nice guys, and yeah. they both they play well together. The problem is that they need an all star point guard, an all star like two or three to be accompanying those two to be a legitimate team, and it's unlikely that those two guys will. That this team will be able to find that. What's their identity? Um, they don't have one, and that's a big problem, right? Well, you did it. You nailed it. Um, what's your favorite kind of identity for a team to have? Just <laughs> Golden State Warriors. <laughs> you just like that. Just like a lot of fun and shooting and winning basketball games and <laughs> that's doing kind of cool stuff. Like. And what do I like? Steph Curry throwing balls up in the air. You know what I like? I like the Sacramento Kings. Just like <laughs> super aggro. Not happy with each other. That's a fun one. This doesn't even have that. Yeah. We don't even have, like, we're, we're, yeah, it's a very interesting kind of bad. We're very boring bad. They're interesting bad. That's the identity. If I could have an identity right now, it would at least be interesting bad. It's like, they're, they're, this team is a rom-com that's not really that funny and you don't care about the characters, but 
not offensive. Not an offensive movie. And that's what we are. What does our identity look like once we have Rondo and Batum next year? <laughs> Still weird. Those are those are they stop learning they stop playing basketball well. First of all, that's the first thing you do when you get those are to two weird suit. personalities. Yeah. Terrible shooting. But Batum's long... hitting shots, what are you talking about? Mm. Yeah, but he hasn't over his career really been a tremendous shooter. Um very but, exciting. Yeah. Um I'm gonna give uh, a little intro for this guy. This is a guy that we write all the time. It's your boy, Louis Torres. What'd you think of that? That was beautiful. Um, thank you, Lou. Always good to hear from you. Um, so who's on your radar for coach? Could we rehire Jason Kidd? I love that. Um, yeah, it's so, not like the Bucks are really all that great. No, some are saying to blow it up right now. We have two real NBA. Thank Berkeley. God the Bucks aren't that great because if the Bucks were great and the Celtics pick was looming over this franchise, it, this. Oh God. Um, <laughs> he's gonna, in, like, here's a point. He says, and the timing of Billy King and Hollins being let go is so nets. A day after El Chapo was caught, and a day before David Bowie death. <laughs> it's abstract, <laughs> and I like it, Lou. I like that. Yeah, grand scheme thinker. Yeah. <laughs> Um. So, what's the question? Uh, basically, who's on your radar? I know. So we've we've gone through this. Mike, Ke- Mike. I think Kevin Ollie would be the most exciting. Not well, Calipari would be the most exciting just because of the overall interest. But I think the combination he's Ollie's a little Calipari, but also more legitimate. Of, I mean, I for in my mind, he's more legitimate of an NBA potential hire. People love him. He Durant is absolutely loves Kevin Ollie. He mm-hmm. calls Kevin Ali like this, like tremendous early career leader in his life. Yeah. So we would have all those fun rumors. Ugh, that's what we're just chasing <laughs> fun rumors. It's so just those two stories on the web that would be like Kevin Durant has added Brooklyn to his Ugh. list of teams he's going to talk to because of how much he respects Kevin that Ali. That rumor is is the <laughs> payday. <laughs> and then we're gonna get the story. The Nets really impressed Kevin Durant yeah. for everything that he that yeah. they just ran through all the marketing and you know the just the infrastructure and the new practice center. Do the, the do new, they give a tour of the practice center? That's what Kevin I love. Durant. That's the that's the big question for uh, this free agency period. Is he like, going to get the tour? Prokhorov was asked like, I guess what's different about this team now than what was before? And yeah. he's oh well, we're gonna have, we have this tremendous practice facility. We have, we I own the arena. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like oh god, those are such. Minor points that they matter, but they really don't. Yeah. They don't matter for us. No, they don't. Um, watch this team. This is. I'm just gonna. Hank, we've already touched on this, but chill, boy. Hank Schley. Hank, an old, an old friend of the pod. Um, he's touching on something that smelts feels very acutely. Uh, are you guys worried about the Nets hiring some big names who are more interested in the inevitable large payday that's coming to whoever takes the Nets GM and coaching gigs? Because I am. Uh, so, Smelts, obviously, very much wary of that. Um, and I guess me to a lesser degree. Um, anyway, I would take anyone. I would pay, I would pay exorbitant amount of money to the right, per, to RC Buford. You, you would think that, that if RC Buford took the 120 million, it was because there was, it was only because of the money and not because, but can't, can't, why are they mutually exclusive? I don't get it. I don't think, I, I don't think money can be the main motiv- motivating factor in sports if you want to be successful. It cannot become like, 
So R.C. Buford wouldn't be putting himself in the best situation if the main reason why he was coming to this team was money. You can't look at this team if you're R.C. Buford and say, that's a better situation than what happened with the Spurs and that I want to be there and that I think I can make that team successful. Money would be the reason why he was coming here. It would be the reason why Coach Cal would be coming here because of money. Money doesn't set you up for success. Money just lets you be content with sort of like what you have and then you, you sit there you're like, uh, well, you know, this really isn't the best situation, but I'm getting paid so much money that it's, you know, that's it. why I'm here. I don't think it's necessarily a corrupting force. Like if you, money doesn't make you corrupt. I just think it. If like, what what leads to success is being motivated purely to gain more success, to be to be a better team. Um, you have to look at a situation, sort of how like LeBron looked at going to Miami. He, he didn't do that for money. He, he got paid less money. He did that because he wanted to win. You know, like guys go to certain teams because they think that this team, like LaMarcus Aldridge went to the Spurs, who they're playing tonight, because he thought that was the best chance he had of winning. He got he could have got money anywhere. Um, DeAndre Jordan stayed with the Clippers, not because of money or winning, but because he, that was like most comfortable. And that's another thing that's really not that this healthy. This is a guy in his 50s with a family. I mean, this is a different situation than your 20-year-old basketball player playing for a championship in a very small window. This is obviously different circumstances. We're talking about upper management versus this is a career that'll be another 20 or 30 years. Yeah, I'm not again, I'm not saying that money is a corrupting thing or make him less motivated to do his job. I just think the reason why he would take the job is because of money and that reasoning would make it an unsuccessful future. I guess my point is that the man's already won a fair amount of championships. I don't think he would do any less of a good job if you paid him a huge, huge sum of money. Sure. I'll just I'll just leave it there. That's all I'm going to And I'm going to give the last one to... What the hell? Come on, I hit the button and everything. <laughs> Sean N. Pinto. Whoa. Uh, Sean N. Pinto, thanks for reaching out. This is the first time emailer, long-time listener, Thank you, Sean. We love that. We love we love guys reaching out. It makes it. What does it do for you? Snolts? I love it when guys reach out. Me too. I was wondering how many players and that's currently have that you consider solid pieces moving forward. I'm imagining this to be like players you would want to keep: Brooke, Thad, Jefferson, McCullough, Bogdanovich. Um, so he says the only other players I think can develop into NBA contributors are Reed and Brown. Do you flip any of these pieces for draft picks? Or instead, add solid players around them in FA free agency. So, um, basically, just to connect this to what we were saying before, my thing is you, you wait till this free agency period, and when you, you know, summarily strike out, which I anticipate we will probably be doing, then we start flipping everything for for draft picks. Do do we as Nets followers want the situation like the Knicks had, where? They didn't go huge in free agency. What they did was they got an Aflalo and Lopez. Would you be happy if the team, instead of going giving out a max contract to someone who maybe doesn't deserve it, would you rather them give out two $10 million contracts to guys who are sort of like mid-tier free agents? You know, basically putting money in to be uh, eight wins better, but not committing a ton of money to one guy. So would you be okay with incremental improvement, or would you do you want to see? Um, I mean, I really don't know. Like, I don't know. If, I don't know who would be out there as a free agent, but like, as opposed to do, giving a max contract to 
Mike Connolly or DeMar DeRozan? Do we want guys like Aaron Oflalo and Lopez where it's just like we're going to improve our depth, we're going to get a little bit better in the starting lineup, but we're also not going to go – we're not going all in. We're not going to put all of our chips to the middle of the table. We're going to slow play our hand a little bit. If I, I, got, if I got a Flalo, I'd be super stoked. Let me just say a Flalo is like averaging almost 20 points last year. I mean, it's – I want I I want the slow play hand. That's what I'm getting at, which is what you're saying. What it, I want, I would rather have two or three players who are like pretty good mm-hmm. to give us a better base than to say Harrison Barnes. Here's a max contract. We hope you become, I don't know, Tracy McGrady 2.0. Yeah, not gonna happen. I don't see that for Harrison Barnes. I do not see that. Guy. I know, but I just think he's going to get he's going to get the money. Yeah, and I it's gonna happen. I know he will, but I don't know why. I don't know what people are seeing. I get. I mean, yeah. I. I mean, I get it I, to a degree. Defended LeBron in the finals, like as well as one can hope to do. I guess he can uh, do his thing. Yeah, he looks like a guy who should be good, but hit a timely three. You know, um, we got to wrap it up because it's eight oh three, and the Bachelor is on, Ooh. and we got to watch. I see. Um, AKA my wife has to watch who I love, uh, sometimes. So one last thing. Okay. So the, uh, El Chapo, Sean Penn article, I just want to read a couple of things. So Sean, so Sean Penn wrote this huge, everyone knows about it. Wrote this huge thing where he like met El Chapo, blah, blah, blah. Um, going into the article, seeing Sean Penn's name as being written by him, you want to not like his writing. I don't want to like his writing. Very interesting writer. Better than most writing that I've seen from pretty any like pretty much any feature I've read hasn't been nearly as good as what Sean Penn just put I gotta, out. I got to read this now. But he he says some stuff. What makes it good is that he's so honest with his thoughts mm-hmm. going through the moment. So he's talking about how he's at one point he has really only one meeting with El Chapo and then he gets like a like a phone interview type thing. When he goes to meet El Chapo, he has to go through a big jungle. He gets to the compound which El Chapo lives. So this is this is him getting out of the SUV. This is his words. Okay, I throw my satchel into the open back of one of the SUVs and lumber over the tree line to take a piss. Dick in hand, I do consider among my body parts vulnerable to the knives of irrational narcotypes and take a fond last look before tucking it back into my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I just like and like throughout the the entire article is littered with stuff like that. At one point, he talks about how he says good night to El Chapo before he goes to bed, and he says, "At this moment, I expel a minor traveler's flatulence, <laughs> and with it, I experience the same chivalry he offered when putting Kate Kate's this Mexican actress who hooked up El Chapo and Sean Penn to bed as he pretends not to notice." <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are nice details. Like so. It is, you know, you want to hate Sean Penn, you want to hate sort of what he did, and people get mad at him, which I actually don't agree with. Any, If any journalist, if someone like, I don't know, Steve Croft from 60 Minutes went and interviewed El Chapo, people would be like going insane about how great that was. But because of Sean Penn, people hate him. Hmm. I, gotta admit, I mean, it's pretty awesome that this, this actor is willing to admit that he thought his dick was going to get cut off and he was going to fart. That he did fart in front of El Chapo. Yeah. Excellent for him. So it's worth a read. It's worth reading more than just seeing like the news clippings of because you get just a crazy amount of inside Sean Penn's head uh, meeting El Chapo. And he he comes off like uh, 
Like a real interesting dude. So there you go. That's that's it. I just wanted to throw that out. There. No, it's a good bit. I like that. And Steve Avery. Did you have the trooper thing? Steve Avery definitely murdered. Oh, the well, <laughs> basically, I didn't know that. Um, when you say someone was a real trooper, I didn't realize that trooper meant a trooper is actually a term for like a performer, and not for like an army trooper. Yeah, that's it. Um, Steve Avery did it. You're done. I didn't know that either, but you know, I'm still gonna play that. So, are we happy with the nuts firing? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we got to tie a bonus because the basher started. Um, check us out on iTunes. Oh, search wow. glue, search glue, guys. Please download us. Please rate us. We love it all. Uh, check us out on thebrookengame.com. That's where we are. Try to be every week about. We'll see what this team ends up. Brian, good night. Good night, Mike. And good luck. <laughs> yeah, you can't resist. Show that now you can now go home.